Let's pray, shall we? Holy Spirit, you are welcome here this morning. And we just lift our hearts towards you and we just say, come and just have your way. Just do whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the Holy Spirit. And it's something that I haven't done for years and years and years, which is probably uh, neglectful, seeing we are a Pentecostal church and a number of you are shaking your heads. So let's start off by just reading from Acts chapter 1 and starting at verse 4. And it says this. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with his disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has sent by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It was midway through my first year at Massey University that I had my first encounter with the Holy Spirit. I was brought up in a Presbyterian family, as a number of others of you uh, have been. And so I knew a bit about God, but I didn't know him personally. Do you want to just turn me down just a little bit? Then I can uh, yell and scream and and everything else. (coughs) At university, I didn't go to church, but I ended up going to a messy Christian Union camp at Waikanae. Uh, after being invited by a girl that I was interested in dating. All right, so really I had no interest in God as such, but I did have an interest in this girl. And uh, so, you know, God uses any which way to get us along, and sometimes he just ambushes us. So <laughs> on that Saturday night, with my hand bandaged and my arm in a sling as a result of a uh, soccer injury, I was down the back of the meeting when I prayed a prayer under my breath that just absolutely changed my life. I said, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And all of a sudden, it was like someone poured a bucket of hot water over me. I had never experienced anything like it before in my life. Uh, This warm flow, which I now recognize as being the Holy Spirit, uh, flowed down from my head, down my arms, down my body. Uh, I looked at my hand. Uh, All the swelling was gone. I took the bandages off. I took the sling off my hand, and it was completely healed. And this just absolutely blew me away. I was a science student doing biotechnology. And so uh, for something contrary to nature to happen to me, something that I couldn't explain, just absolutely, absolutely blew me away. But what happened on the inside was more important than what happened on the outside because all at once I came alive to God. 
I realized that Jesus was real. I realized that he loved me. I realized that he had a plan and a purpose for my life. Uh, I knew at once that there was a heaven to gain, a hell to shun. Uh, Everything was different. Uh, During my school years, uh, when it came up to exams, I would be so nervous um, because uh, my memory wasn't that great. I had sort of a, a sieve memory, so when I was swatting, uh, it was no good swatting a month before an exam. I had to swat the night before or the day before the exam. Uh, and then two days later, I would have just about forgotten about it again. So I used to get really, really nervous. I remember before my bursary uh, exams having to take um, malaral, uh, malaral tablets. Where's our doctors here? You'll know about that one. Uh, just to calm myself down. Uh, and I took those because my mum had them, not because I was prescribed them. Uh, but they were the only things that were there in the house. Uh, but from the time that I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I never needed any tablets or whatever to um, keep me calm because I just had this overwhelming peace which just passes, which just passed my mind. I, I went from no interest in God to wanting to know God better. All those boring scriptures that I had heard as a child suddenly came alive to me. When I picked up the Bible and read, it was like the words were jumping off the pages uh, at me. I went from never going to church to wanting to go. I went from not praying to going to every prayer meeting. And I started a prayer meeting in my, um, in my vastly hostel room. Uh, I started talking to my friends about God. I could sense God's presence in a way that I had never known before. And two weeks later at a small Christian union service during worship, I just started speaking in tongues. I didn't know what it was. It was wonderful. It was releasing. And although I didn't understand much about it, 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 it happened. A few years earlier, there was a young curate in Palmerston North at All Saints Anglican Church. And it was his job to prepare the young people for their confirmation classes. And he taught the candidates that when the archbishop laid his hands on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, that was what was going to happen. And he explained that after his resurrection... Uh, Jesus had breathed on his disciples, and we read that in John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, Peace be to you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And at that time, the disciples had been born again of the Spirit of God. But this was not the fullness of the Spirit. This was, there was much, much more. And Jesus commanded the disciples. There's not too often it says that Jesus commanded, but um, it says Jesus commanded the disciples not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait till they received the gift of the Father, which was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the curate showed them from Acts 2 verse 1, uh, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, the disciples were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And uh, this was the Bible described as being the third hour of the day or nine o'clock in the morning that this all happened to the disciples. So 
after he had studied um, the scriptures and prepared their hearts uh, at their confirmation, when the archbishop laid hands on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, guess what happened? They received the Holy Spirit. And uh, most of the candidates struggled to walk back to their seats because they were absolutely drunk in the Holy Spirit. I don't know what their parents thought about it, but uh, it must have been quite unusual. And this was life-changing. This was absolutely life-changing. After being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, we were, we were just so zealous for God. God was doing extraordinary things in our lives. And we saw lots and lots of miracles. I remember as a group, we were praying um, for our bus fares to get down to the Jesus March in Wellington from Palmerston North. And it was amazing. Exactly the amount that we needed to hire this bus came in to the cent. Uh, it, was, um, it was crazy. Uh, physical healings were taking place. Uh, we just fully trusted God uh, and we gave our whole lives to him. And we just believed God's word. It was, um, it was extraordinary. I, I remember vividly, vividly in my second year at Massey University, I was in a microbiology class. And if any of you have ever been to Massey University, you know that the, um, the main lecture theatres are sort of not underground, but they were, they, they were deep and there was um, no lights coming into them at all. And I remember my microbiology professor, Professor um, Dougal, McDougall asking me to stand up and tell the class why I loved water. Now, the reason why he did that was because he got me a job at the Auckland Water Purification Plant. I had an interest in the environment in those stages, and uh, I needed a holiday job as part of my degree. And so he got me this job uh, in Auckland at the water purification plant, and it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, but I was really, really shy, and I didn't have a clue what to say, and I was just embarrassed. So I just opened my mouth, and I said the first thing that came out into my mind, and I said, I like water because I was baptized in it. <laughs> that is the reaction of everyone in the, um, in the theatre as well. They, they just burst out laughing, uh, to which my professor said, that's only hearsay. And as soon as he said that, the lights in the lecture theatre slowly dimmed. <laughs> and they went completely off. For it's, It felt like minutes, but probably it was only like 10 seconds or so. And slowly the lights came up again. And everybody was absolutely stunned. And the professor was just left speechless. I never realized how much impact that had on my um, fellow students till 10 years later, I was uh, visiting the assistant director of the Dairy Research Institute, who uh, was a student in my class in those days. And so 10 years later, I'm visiting him, I'd flown down from Hamilton to Palmerston North uh, to, to talk about dairy industry things. 
and uh, we're having a cup of tea and he reminded me of the day that God intervened in our microbiology class and this guy wasn't religious. He wasn't a churchgoer. Um, I don't think he had a faith, but he recognized that. I didn't have to say anything. He recognized God intervening. It's interesting that out of that small initial uh, university group of about 25, uh, eight of us, that's about a third, uh, after we went out into industry and teaching and all these other things, a third of us ended up becoming ministers. Such was the impact of the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives in those days that set us up for something more that God wanted to do in our lives. We didn't know much theologically about the Holy Spirit. But as we determined to know him, he revealed himself to us. Um, We searched the scriptures And as we did, we discovered that Jesus said to his disciples, but I tell you the truth, it's not for your good that I'm going away. It's for your good, sorry, that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Jesus said, it's better for the Holy Spirit to come than for him to stay. So I've thought about that a lot. And quite often we'd think, well, wouldn't it be fantastic if Jesus was walking amongst us? Wouldn't it be amazing? But Jesus said, it's better. It's better if I go, because Jesus was just in one place at a time. But the Holy Spirit is everywhere. And so he said, it's better for you that I go and for him to come. And we realized that this gift that we had stumbled upon was actually a person, the Holy Spirit. And as you study the scriptures, you'll find that it was the Holy Spirit who was at work in creation. Everything came from the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit that hovered over the earth. It was the Spirit that created the heavens, and the earth. And it's so important to receive him in his fullness. And that's why Jesus commanded his disciples, commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, not to do anything until they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. It was so essential for living an abundant, powerful life. They couldn't do what God had called them to do without that overflow, without that power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus breathed on them, they were saved. Their eternal destiny was secured. 
But Jesus knew that they couldn't fulfill his plans and his purposes without being filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. Our journey of discovery was not unique, but it was quite common for that era. Uh, This week I read an encouraging book called Nine O'Clock in the Morning by Episcopal priest Dennis Bennett. The Episcopals are the American version of the Anglican Church. How many people have read that book? Yeah, all the, all the old ones. <laughs> all the old guys. <laughs> yeah, you're old. <laughs> uh, all the ones who got, um, had an interest in the charismatic move, etc., have read this book. And I read it again this, this week. I downloaded it. And um, I was just so, so encouraged. Um, Dennis Bennett was in an Anglican church and he got filled with the Holy Spirit back in the early 60s. And this book chronicles his journey. Uh, Dennis Bennett was used greatly back in those days to bring uh, traditional church congregations into the um, empowerment by the Holy Spirit. And so I thought it'd be interesting just to read a, um, uh, a few paragraphs to you and just share with you how this guy got filled with the Holy Spirit. So he says, Finally, on a Saturday afternoon in November, after three whole months of circling, circling, I said to my enthusiastic friends, Look here, I've been reading my Bible, I've been reading my prayer book, I've been studying my theological books, And I've been looking at church history. And as far as I can see, this experience you're talking about is in them all. I want what you've got. How did you get it? That's easy, said Joan. We we asked for it. Okay, I'm ready to ask. Show me how. What do I do? I asked them. Ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, said John. We'll pray with you and you just pray and praise the Lord. I said, now remember, I want this nearness to God you have. That's all. I'm not interested in speaking with tongues. Well, they said, all we can tell you about that is that it came with the package. John came across the room, laid his hands first on my head and then on my friends. He began to pray very quietly. I began to pray, as he told me, and I prayed very quietly too. I was not about to get even a little bit excited. I was simply following instructions. I suppose I must have prayed out loud for about 20 minutes, at least it seemed to be that long, and was just about to give up when a very strange thing happened. My tongue tripped, just as it might when you were trying to recite a tongue twister. And I began to speak in in a new language. Right away, I recognized several things. First, it wasn't some kind of psychological trick or compulsion. There was nothing compulsive about it. I was allowing these new words to come to my lips, and I was speaking them out of my own volition without in any way being forced to do it. I wasn't carried away in any sense of the word, but was fully in possession of my wits and my willpower. On the way to the car, I felt very lightheaded. Not at all embarrassed by this afternoon's events, but I did not have any sense that some great spiritual breakthrough had taken place. So the next weekend, he goes back to 
pray with his friends again. And this time, as he is praying in the back room with one of his friends and speaking in tongues, he really encounters the presence of God. And he says, as I spoke on, something else began to happen. My heart began to get more and more happy. The presence of God that I'd so clearly seen in earlier days to be the real reasons for living suddenly enveloped me. Never had I experienced God's presence in such reality as now. If those early experiences were like flashbulbs, this was as if someone had suddenly turned on the floodlights. My heart was rejoicing, but I couldn't quite put my feelings into words. I just said, I'm floored. I'll be floored the rest of my life over this. What a drive home it was that night. I was still rejoicing inwardly, overflowing with happiness. I found myself singing. I sang all the way home, all those old hymns, all those ones that I'd known for years. It was well after midnight when I finally tumbled into bed. Elated as I was, I half expected that I would have a hard time going to sleep. Instead, I fell into a deep, dreamless slumber almost as soon as my head touched the pillow. I don't even remember having had such a refreshing sleep as I had that night. I awoke only once and found, to my astonishment, that the wonderful happiness and sense of God's presence was still with me. I knew that purely emotional excitement could be expected to disappear overnight. Evidently, something deeper than emotion had happened to me. But what was it? Anyway, it was good. And I rolled over and went back to sleep. I asked people on Thursday night's prayer meeting how they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, actually, Penny, why don't you jump up and grab that mic and, um, and tell people how you got filled with the Holy Spirit. But uh, I asked other people. One got prayed for by his wife. Uh, and came through in the Holy Spirit. One received the Holy Spirit at water baptism. I was talking to Betty. She, got, uh, she was in a uh, congregational church in Auckland. She went to a camp uh, back in 1959, she said. That was really early. That was one of the early ones. Um, Dave Hasty told me that uh, he was part of a Presbyterian church, and they left the Presbyterian church because of the Lloyd Gearing uh, situation, and there was a little home group up the road. So he went to this little home group, and they were praying for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's when he received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some people got baptized uh, in the Holy Spirit when they got water baptized. They come out of the waters, and the Holy Spirit had hit them. Some were at home, some were at church, but all were completely changed. Penny. Yes, well, I was 20, I think, and I was in Christchurch and went to church. Someone took me to church that Sunday, and I'd prayed that week, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And so my friend that week talked about God and then took me to church, and I didn't understand a word. It went right over my head. It was a teaching. Someone was teaching about the Lord. And so at the end, though, I knew God was, I knew that God was there. So I went up the front for salvation, and then the following week they taught on baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I thought, yes, I want that. So I came up the front, and Peter Morrow, I don't know if any of you remember him from those days, he was up, he'd preached, and I, I was just standing there, and he reached over, he didn't even touch me, and I started to go down, but I was jerking all over, and I was freaked out. I thought, what on earth is happening to me? Because I was from an Anglican background, 
And he said, it's okay, it's just your sins leaving you. And I knew I w- afterwards I understood I was delivered. <laughs> and when I got up from the ground, I was speaking in tongues. Great. Yeah, Peter Morrow was a wonderful leader of the charismatic uh, movement in, in Christchurch. And one of the consistent results of people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit was that Jesus became so real to them all. And that's not surprising because one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Jesus and make him, him real. He, the Bible describes him as being our helper, our teacher, our guide, but he's also the signpost. He's the one that points us to Jesus and makes Jesus real. So, so Anne and Steve are going to come up now and they're going to tell us their experience of um, getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the things I've noticed is everybody's experiences seem to be different in terms of where and when and how and, and what happened. But the end results are all very, very, very similar. So Anne and Steve are some of our uh, life group leaders and they are the butt of many of my Irish jokes, <laughs> but we love them. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Um, Stephen and I were married probably about just over 10 years. Um, we'd been going to a Presbyterian church and then a Baptist, and we moved house um, to, and actually to another town. So that necessitated moving churches, which we didn't want to do. And lo and behold, we ended up in Bangor Elam, which was a Pentecostal church. I'd never heard of the baptism in the Spirit ever. I'd been a Christian for 17 years. I absolutely hated it with a passion. I thought the people were weird. Prophecy and messages in tongues and interpretation of tongues. I kept saying to Stephen, it's, it's just wrong, Stephen. And he loved it. He wanted to keep going. I didn't want to go at all. And actually, we nearly got divorced over it. Um, and it's a long story, which I won't tell you now. But we ended up going. Um, and over a period of about six months, I watched these people and I studied these people and I studied the Bible and we looked at it and both of us started to think, you know, what's, what they've got is real, even though we didn't understand it. So we started to seek it. Um, I can remember Stephen actively going up to get prayed for. I never actually had the courage because while I wanted it, I was actually really scared of it as well. And I kind of had realized if you ask God for something, he tends to give it to you. So I was in a prayer meeting one Tuesday morning and all the folks that I was praying with, they were all in their 80s, well over their 80s actually, and they were praying. And I remember just opening my eyes and looking around the group and thinking, God, when they're praying, they have something that I don't have, even though I've been praying for 17 years. They've got a power and they've got an anointing. And I, I don't know what it is, but I want to be able to pray like that and I want to be able to see the impact of my prayers changing people's lives. And I just had the strangest experience. And it was like my chair slowly lifted off the ground and I, could, I was looking down at these guys all praying and just watching them. And then in the background, I began to hear this woman singing. And I, I'm, honestly, I'm a really, really bad singer, but even I knew that the music that I was listening to was tone perfect. It was just beautiful. And I realized that the person singing was singing in tongues. And this went on for quite a while. And then gradually, it was almost like the chair was coming back down again and I was sitting back in the prayer group. And I opened my eyes and looked around, and all the old people are going. And I went, what? <laughs> and they said, well, I guess you just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I went, really? And they went, you've been singing for 20 minutes. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? God has a sense of humor because I, so, I was so scared of this experience. I so needed to know that 
when it happened that it was actually God and it wasn't just me and me doing something because I wanted it. Those of you who sit beside me in church will know I can't sing a note. And I would never, ever in my wildest dreams choose to sing in public. So for God to baptize me in a song, I, I tell you what, it was amazing. What, how has it affected me? I think I would say that prior to that, I saw an experience with God as being a door that you could open and go through and it was a path that you walked on. Opening the door to the baptism in the Holy Spirit was definitely a door, but what I realized was the path goes like that on both sides and it never gets narrow, it gets wider and wider and you realize that the options and the possibilities with God, you never run out of them. God can do anything and he'll take you on that journey if you want to go with him. Mm. <laughs> uh, mine was a bit different. I, um, as Anne said, I was very enthusiastic about going to the Elam Church because I could see right away that these people had something that I felt I had, I didn't have. And I really, as Anne said, I went forward, pray, pray, pray every time they said, if anybody wants more of the Holy Spirit, come forward and I'm up to the front and looking for prayer. 18 months, if... Um, you keep going forward and you keep getting prayed for and 18 months later you're still not speaking in tongues or you don't feel like you've had this encounter. It can be quite, um, you know, what's wrong with me, God? Why, am, why are you not, why not let me speak in tongues? I want to speak in tongues. I want to speak in tongues. And um, whenever I, one, I used to take a road uh, home and it was a beautiful road. I, I told Anne that whenever I'm dying, she's to remind me of this road because I want to go up that road on my way to heaven. Um, but I used to sing in the car, used to, um, you know, used to have my Hillsong tapes playing. And, and one day I was driving up this road and there was a flock of blackbirds on one side, there was a flock of white birds on the other side. And I was busy praising God. And as I flew these two birds, two sets of birds took off at the same time. And as I was driving through these birds, I just started speaking in tongues. <laughs> and I got home and I didn't tell Anne because I was afraid in case it was just me doing it. And so the next day I tried to speak in tongues again and it was gone. It was gone. And I'm going, I didn't mean it. <laughs> I didn't mean it. I want, the, I want the tongues, I want the tongues. But God had to teach me something. It wasn't, you don't desire the tongue, you desire the giver. You don't desire the gift. I had to want more of God. It wasn't just a case of I wanted what he was going to give me. I wanted God more in my life. And it wasn't until I got that perspective on things that God baptized me with the Holy Spirit and, and speaking in tongues then became very much part of that. Great. So the Holy Spirit has all the attributes of a person. So his relationship with you is going to be really personable. And it's going to be in a sense, unique in that he deals with us each differently, uh, but with the same set of values. Um, tongues are the most common first evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul said, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. And he goes on, he says, thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. That was the Apostle Paul, the one who, who wrote um, good portion of the New Testament uh, but while the Holy Spirit uh, while the speaking tongues is the first evidence of baptism in the Holy Spirit uh, there comes an extraordinary sense of God's presence 
for me, it was God coming alive in my life. Uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, are available to us. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, um, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, uh, these are all fruit that should grow out of your relationship with God, but it just seems to be enhanced um, by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if, if we're going to host the Holy Spirit, which is really um, what I want to get across to you this morning, uh, we need to desire to get to know him. We need to desire to spend time with him. We need to work to grow in, in purity because he is the Holy Spirit. Uh, we need to grow in our prayer and our, and our praise. And I would say to you this morning that if you have never, ever been filled with the Holy Spirit, then I want to give you an opportunity this, this morning just to come to the front and just have someone pray with you. Uh, for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I also want to say, hey, if you got baptized in the Holy Spirit 40 years ago and you don't have that overwhelming sense of God's presence uh, in your life today, then I'd suggest you need to have a fresh encounter with God. And so I want all of us to encounter the Holy Spirit afresh this morning. We're having communion because... Communion is focused on Jesus. And the Father and Jesus are the giver of the gift. And the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 with the Apostle Paul talking says to the other disciples, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And when we take... the bread, which reminds us of the broken body of Jesus. And when we take the, the cup, which reminds us of the fact that Jesus' blood, his life, was given for us so that we can have life. When we take these, uh, we are reminded that Jesus is the one that we need. He is the one that's made a way for us to have a relationship with God. And in the context of this morning's service, it was Jesus who said, hey, I've got to go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. It was Jesus who commanded the disciples not to leave Jerusalem, which was their home, and not to go out and do stuff until they had been filled with the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Father. So I, I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm just going to ask you to stay where you are. But I want the musicians to come. And I want the ministry team just to come and stand along the front uh, right now, if you could, guys. That would be great.
And we're going to just, I want you just to take this bread and this cup in your own time. And I just want to, I want you to first of all, thank God, thank Jesus that he came and died for us. Thank him that he gave his life so that we could have life and we could have our sins forgiven. That's the starting point. So do that in your own time. And then if there are any of you who have not been filled with the Holy Spirit or just want a fresh touch with God or you, you just want to come and stand in the, in the front and say, God, I just need more of you. When you've taken the communion, why don't you just make your way up quietly up to the front and um, we'll pray with you or you can pray for yourself. And I'm believing that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to touch people. And he's going to touch people in their own special way. So let's just take the communion, shall we? Just take it by yourself, for yourself, and you express to God what you want. So thank you, Lord.